0: The GDP, the gross domestic product, the numbers released this morning for the month of July. Here to break it down for us is our good friend David McDonald, senior economist with the Canadian Center for Policy Alternatives. He joins us here on Global News Radio. David, good afternoon. Happy Friday.
1: Good afternoon. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. I don't think it's maybe a happy Friday for a lot of economists and people that watch the economy because the total value of goods and services shrank for the third time in four months, which is obviously not Great news. Can you break it down for us?
1: Well, so if we take a look at the July numbers, which were released today, it's slightly not as bad news as it was last month. So Statistics Canada projects, or does not project, but they do an early estimate of what the GDP is going to look like uh, for, the, for the coming month in July. So the initial estimate in July was a decline of 0.4% of GDP, uh, turned out to only be 0.1% GDP decline, so it's still a decline, not quite as big. Uh, so, in that regard, uh, the picture is slightly improved, although certainly not good in July. A lot of this was actually being driven by um, extreme heat. Uh, So it impacts particularly on the agriculture and forestry sectors, um, but there were also declines in residential construction and some durable goods manufacturing. Now, if we look at the the new estimates for August, uh, we're seeing an increase in GDP in August. That's the preliminary estimate of 0.7%, largely driven by reopening in uh, accommodation and food services, uh, as well as some uptick in manufacturing.
0: All right, so we didn't lose as much ground as we thought we might, which I guess, yes, uh, looking for silver lining, that is uh, good news, but we're still down. And the economy, David, is still 2% smaller than when the pandemic began. Uh, Did analysts,
1: I mean, you and others, did you expect us to be in a better
0: position at this
1: point? Well, the July drop was pretty unexpected, so that was pretty unusual. There was no expectation that we would lose ground in July, uh, it's certainly since the reopening was happening in that period. And we actually saw fairly strong growth in food and accommodation in July, as well as air transport um, that were – the air transport was way up, uh, even though those are still still down from where they were in February. Um, you know, if the August number comes through at 0.7%, then we'd be closing to within 1%. Uh, down from February 2020, uh, so that's you know we're almost back to zero. Uh, we're you know we're not down. I mean, hopefully with a strong August and 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 uh, uh, maybe September. Um, you know, we, we, we might be within striking distance of where we were in February 2020. Um, and this is really being driven by these, uh, the you know, the key sectors, food and accommodation as well as air transport. But I think what the July numbers show us is there's there's still a lot of weakness. Uh, and, you know, you see one sector uh, that gets hit by some unknown event like extreme heat, this being the case of ag and forestry. Uh, really easily we can be drawn back into, um, you know, an, a negative month. At this point, hopefully the, the second quarter will be positive growth, even though The first month of that quarter was negative, Um, but uh, you know it's it's still you know it's still a bumpy road. We're certainly not seeing strong, robust growth month after month.
0: Yeah, when do analysts uh, anticipate that maybe GDP will really be up and that the economy will truly be firing on all cylinders? I mean, we talk to epidemiologists. It seems like pretty much every day on the show, and a lot of them are pretty much in agreement that it's not till the spring of 2022, maybe when we're through the fourth wave uh... you know immunity is really uh, taken hold and that uh, the doors are truly wide open for the economy that we might see uh, not only is back to level do you think david but uh, that we might actually start seeing some economic growth in the country
1: yeah i don't know if you remember back in june where they were pitching the fall uh... which we're in right now is a return to the roaring twenties where Um, consumers who would saved up all this money that, uh, you know, they couldn't spend over the pandemic would unleash it on the Canadian economy and we'd see record growth. Uh, That wasn't really what happened. Um, Certainly August and September will likely look better than uh, some of the early months where some of the lockdown measures were still in place. But you look to places like Alberta and Saskatchewan where just devastating fourth waves are overwhelming healthcare systems there uh, and may may lead to uh, decreased economic growth, which could, um, you know, well drive us down, uh, in the future, and this I think is is really underlies the uncertainty that this isn 't an economic problem it 's a public health problem and so you know we ask economists about this sort of thing and they say well savings are high among households uh, hopefully that they will set, spend that savings but the challenge of course is that you really do need to turn to, to epidemiologists to ask them when is it likely that people are going to start being able to go out and, and you know and freely go back out to restaurants and travel and that sort of thing um, and so I think that it 's going to continue to be very you know, it's, it's going to be very tenuous, I think, as we watch this month to month, where small things um, can can really tank the, the monthly GDP numbers.
0: Joined by David McDonald, senior economist with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. And David, not only is the overall GDP not growing, neither is the city of Toronto. We have new data out that suggests that Toronto is actually lagging behind economically uh, the rest of the country.
1: Yeah, that's right. And so the, this recent report that came out that looked at the uh, unemployment rate in Toronto, among other things, being uh, higher than the Canadian average. Um, and so, I mean, one of the things that uh, that particularly downtown Toronto is quite dependent on is uh, commuters coming into the city. Um business meetings, uh, as well as, you know, the conferences that go along with it. Uh, and without all of those workers being downtown in the city, uh, there's a big impact on the food and accommodation sector, arts and culture, as well as retail. Uh, when people aren't going in, they're not going out to lunch. They're not shopping for something on the way home. Uh, they're not coming into town for uh, the same kind of arts, culture and sports that they would have uh, previously to the pandemic. A lot of those things just aren't open again. And so as a result, uh, you see downtown spending is still down about 40% from uh, from 2019 levels. So it's still, uh, you know, the, this, the downtown particular, but, the, the you know, the, the entire CMA, the entire uh, area of, of Toronto, the, the greater metropolitan Toronto areas, uh, are both being hit a little bit harder than the rest of the country and not seem to be recovering quite as quickly as the rest of the company, country, uh, in part because there just isn't that same kind of... Uh, transport back downtown that a lot of people relied on and all that spending downtown that they would do on a daily basis.
0: All right. Toronto, of course, as you all well know, has long been considered the economic hub, not only the province, but of the entire country. So does this suggest the fact that Toronto is lagging behind the rest of the country when it comes to economics, that we're starting to see a bit of a shift? I mean, we've talked about a, a shift uh, from uh, urban to suburban and a lot of workers fleeing big cities like uh, Toronto. Or do you think because of the reasons you just outlined that maybe a lot of this is temporary?
1: Well, certainly some of it is temporary. Uh, certainly some of those office workers are going to go back to downtown Toronto. Uh, hopefully that's going to continue to roll out over the course of the uh, the fall and winter. But this, is a, this seems to be a very slow process. I mean, in our minds, I think uh, when the vaccines started to come out, uh, it's as if there was an event, people got vaccinated and the w- world returned to normal. That's not the way it's working out, particularly for office work. Um, there's been a real shift to working from home. And for all those empty office buildings downtown Toronto, they are slowly uh, picking up steam, but it's not, it's not something that's going to happen as of a particular date where everybody returns. And so I think as a result, all the services that are reliant on those office workers as well, um, you know, there, there will probably be a slow return, uh, but it's not going to be as rapid. Um, and the question is, what's the long-term impact of this? Will there be... Uh, in the long term, a shift towards working from home and not being necessarily in the office or not being in the office every day. I, I think it's pretty clear that that's going to happen. I don't really know whether we'll know the full impact of that until probably sometime next year when things are fully reopened. There really isn't the same kind of risk of overwhelming the healthcare system with additional waves. Uh, and then we'll see where, where the pieces fall. But there's certainly a lot of uncertainty for centers like downtown Toronto that are very reliant on those commuters to come in to, uh, to drive economic growth
0: and to your point just finally about this being a drawn-out process and maybe longer than anybody anticipated it could continue that way for a while because you know as office towers start to fill up once again and employers call employees back to work some might opt to uh, you know leave the job leave the workforce for a while that they didn't want to continue working from home and will find employment uh, elsewhere and then david there's also a lot of storefronts sadly that have been papered over, have been uh, closed up for a while, and probably will only reopen once workers uh, return. And it takes a little while for that to happen as well.
1: Yeah, it does. And once once businesses close, they don't. It's not a, it's not like flipping a switch. It does take time and effort to to open a business that has closed for good. Uh, when uh, you know when owners throw in the towel, whether they're running you know a hotel or they're running a restaurant or they're running uh, a lunch counter, or whether they're running uh, you know retail. You know, some sort of retail clothing chain. Uh, Once they close, they don't just open right up again. And so there's a delay in terms of getting those businesses up and running again. We also have to remember that uh, many of the supports uh, for business as well as workers are being wound down pretty substantially uh, at the end of October um, for businesses, really winding up a lot of those key supports like the wage subsidy. Uh, For workers, particularly self employed workers, uh, the CRB is being wound down. And so Again, a lot of those supports that, that maybe kept businesses and workers afloat, uh, those winding down will likely mean the closure of, of many businesses, which makes it harder for them to restart. It certainly takes more time as somebody else leases that space, starts a new business, uh, you know, even if there are more workers downtown.
0: Well, it looks like the economic effects of COVID could be longer than most people anticipated. David, always appreciate the analysis. Thanks so much. have a great weekend. Thanks for having me. Bye. You bet. David McDonald, Senior Economist with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives,